So since kids are down here, um, we're going to talk about your emotional life today. Children and youth in particular are very emotional beings. So what emotion, kids, I'm going to count to three. You're going to answer this question out on the count of three. Let me ask the question, then I'm going to count to three, and then you're going to say, okay? That gives you time to think, okay? What emotion do you experience most often? Think about emotions, happy, sad, angry, afraid. There's a lot of different emotions. What emotion do you think you experience the most often? One, two, three. All of them. Happy. Happy, I heard someone say. Well, that's good. Um, Every two weeks, roughly every two weeks, we play a kids movie in here, and they're all safe for kids. Um, and good and healthy for kids. Make sure you're on our text list so that your kids can come if they would like to come and watch those movies. And I'm saying that because I'm about to mention a movie that I don't want you to take your kids to, but uh, it is appropriate for teenagers, older teenagers in particular, and of course adults, you're gonna make your own decisions. But the latest Batman just came out. So I had to go see it, even though it looked like it was gonna be excessively violent from the um, advertisements for it. So I got my seat near the door just in case I needed to bail, and it was getting ridiculous. And uh, I ended up staying through the whole thing. I will say that I thought it was a little bit too long, but uh, on the whole, it ended up having a very good message. Now, I'm not going to give away the entire plot, but this is going to happen whenever you come to our church. I am going to give away some of it, so spoiler alert. So you just have to put your fingers in your ears, but don't worry. It's not going to give away anything that's significant. Um, the way this Batman is different than the others from my perspective, well, it's not my perspective. You can see that the way they, they portray this Batman differently, he seems to be very, very human. Um, I think that you know they've done that recently as well. But one of the things that's different is the old bat signal. You remember the bat signal, right? It's like the spotlight up on the clouds and then the, the bat is in the clouds. Well, Whenever they used to do the bat signal, because I grew up, you know, as a kid, I used to watch Batman on TV. Um, Really hokey, by the way. Pow! And all this stuff. Um, Lots of Dutch tilts in that, those of you that understand film. But in any event, um, you know, the bat signal was always the signal, you know, by Commissioner Gordon to get Batman to come so he could give him his assignment, whatever. So in this Batman, the bat signal is actually a way to intimidate criminals because the Batman, he's called, is going around all over the city catching criminals and scaring them. And I'm not going to say all the things that he does because, again, I don't want all the kids to emulate this, nor do I need them to go really and see this. You'll be fine, okay? Um, but, But what I'm saying is the bat signal is a source of intimidation and fear. And that's one of the things that they say, that fear is a means of controlling people. My friends, did we just not go through two years of that? We were all scared that we were going to die at any given moment, and we were doing anything that the government said. We were sheltering inside. We were... we. Uh, People are controlled by fear. Now, we need to be intelligent and make wise decisions, not decisions that are based on fear. Well, fear is only one emotion. And interestingly, the Lord led me before the pandemic started, in fact, immediately before it started, 
to do a version of this message. I'm not going to redo that version, but I talked about three overwhelming emotions. Now, kids, I'm going to tell you, when I was younger, when I was a kid, all the way up until I came to know Jesus as my Savior, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a preacher. This is the truth. All the way up until I came to know Jesus as my Savior, I got scared a lot. Now, I wouldn't let anybody know it, right? But see, I'm not alone. And if, you, if you're like that, you're not alone either. Um, uh, Lige, wherever he is, gave me a book uh, not too long ago by a fellow named David Goggins. Is that his name, Lige, if you're in the room? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there he is, right there. Um, I saw an interview of him uh, the other day, and he talked about, now this guy is, I mean, he's can do crazy stuff like 4,000 pull-ups and run, you know, ridiculous numbers of miles. And he's just like a super tough guy, right? But he said when he was younger, he was scared all the time. He said, I, you know, I, my, my, my face and the way I portrayed myself was completely the opposite. I tried to be a tough guy on the outside, but he said, really, on the inside, I was afraid. And so all of the things that he did in his life were designed to get himself in a position where he was no longer afraid. I'm going to tell you, kids, the way that I moved past constant fear. When I was in eighth grade, I had a guy that uh, bullied me the entire year. When I was in seventh grade, I got in fight after fight after fight. And so I kind of worked my way to the top uh, of the food chain, so to speak. You know, I kept fighting tougher and tougher and tougher kids until I, you know, was facing the toughest kid. And I was really scared of this kid. It was a big barrel-chested kid. Wasn't really much taller than me, but bigger than me. And he made me so mad. There's another overwhelming emotion, by the way. Fear is overwhelming. Anger is also overwhelming. You'll find yourself doing really stupid things when you're really mad. Like you hit somebody that you actually love and you hurt somebody that you actually didn't mean to hurt because, just because you're mad. And then you use the excuse and you say, well, I was just mad. You need to control your emotions. And believe it or not, fear is another emotion that you can learn to control. So, um, I was scared all the time. I went and saw, and this is why I don't want kids, I don't want you, um, I don't want you watching terrible movies. When I was 11 years old, I'm not even going to mention the title of the movie because I don't want you to see this movie. Adults, I wouldn't even want you to see this movie. But when I was 11 years old, and if you calculate it out and go online and you're really smart or you've been around me for many, many years, you, would, you might figure this movie out, but I'm not going to say it. But I watched a horrible, scary movie. And it was so scary and so evil that every time I went to bed at night, I was scared. And I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I was not saved. Now, I believed that God existed. I believed in Jesus as a person that was out there, but he was not in my heart. He was not my Lord. He was not my Savior. I hadn't called upon him to save me. Right? Listen, kids, just because you know that Jesus exists, point to your head. Just because you know Jesus exists doesn't mean he's in your heart. Point to your heart. Okay? Your heart is just another way of saying he's inside of you, in the middle of who you are and what you are. Right? Jesus isn't in the middle. That means that he's got you and you're safe. All right? So you can do this if you're an adult as well, but kids, I want you to hold up your thumb just like this. Hold up your thumb just like this. Now open your hand just like this. 
The Bible says that when we have Jesus, we are in Christ. We are in Christ with God the Father. Now that's you, that thumb. Who do you think can get through God the Father and Jesus to you? Anybody? The devil? Exactly. Great. Great response. That is exactly right. No. And so that's why when I finally came to the time when I gave my life to Jesus, I am telling you, fear went away like blowing dust out of your hand. It just went away. And that's just not something that I struggle with. Now, I'm going to tell you, just down to this day, um, I deal with anger on a regular basis. Really, anger as it uh, expresses itself, um, we might call it frustration. Uh, in some translations of Psalm 37, it says, do not fret, it leads only to evil doing. Well, that word fret means to be frustrated. You're angry about something you can't control. Adults, I bet I'm not alone. I bet there's an adult or two in this room that frets. Fretting can also manifest itself as worrying. There's another, that's a useless emotion. That's an overwhelming and useless emotion. Has worrying ever changed anything? It hasn't, and it won't. Right? But I will tell you what I've told people for years, and I got this from Rick Warren. I know you guys are doing a Rick Warren study, um, and uh, you know he's just better than me, so i just go ahead and let you listen to him. But uh, he, I think I'm saying it the way I want to say it to, to be memorable, but I think I got this from the Purpose Driven Life. Warriors make great prayer warriors. Say that. You know why? Because worry accomplishes nothing, but... It can cue you to pray. Every time you start worrying, start praying. Amen? And watching the news these days is a constant source of fear and worry and fear and worry and fear. This is how they control you. This is how they keep you. It's like a drug, right? And they keep feeding you this drug and you keep watching and keep watching and keep watching and it keeps you stirred up and it keeps you angry and it keeps you full of contempt toward those other evil people from the other political party or you know who voted for the other person or whatever and so we're constantly stirred up and having these problems these are all overwhelming emotions friends and we can't let emotions run our lives or they will ruin our lives. That's one of your, uh, your uh, underhandling emotions. Uh, that is number two, okay? So let's look at this idea of emotion, but I want to discriminate emotion from feeling. A lot of times we say feelings, emotions, and we think it's the same thing, but they're really not identical, okay? So if, if you're following with your outline, and uh, you know if you've got the U version app, then you can follow along. I simplified this for kids, okay? Kids, it's really simple. Feelings are inside. Say that, kids. Emotions are outside. So I can feel anger and then I can express anger, but usually when we use the word emotion, what we mean is that feelings are the internal experience, adults. Emotions are the actualization of that or the externalizing expression of our feelings, okay? Letter B, a feeling may have human, divine, that's God, or demonic, that's the devil, 
influence or cause, human, divine, or demonic. That can be the source or the cause of your feelings. So you need to realize, I, I posted something recently, and I'm going to say it here, um, along the lines of, if you let feelings run your life, they will ruin your life. And I had someone say, well, then why did God give us feelings? And I didn't have time, and I don't like to get into it with people online anymore because I find that it's worthless. Um, but I did post something that I will talk about in just a moment. But the reality is God doesn't give us all of our feelings. You realize that, right? All of your feelings don't come from God. The source of those, the cause of those, the inspiration of those may be human. It may come from other people, and that can be good or bad. They may come from God, and we're going to talk about that rather extensively in a minute. Or they can be caused by the devil who's coming after you, coming at you, right? Beating up on you, scaring you, whatever. Um, we need to understand feelings can come from these three different sources. So every feeling doesn't come from God, right? Letter C, emotions. Remember, emotions are outside. They're the externalizing expression. You can measure emotions. Like there's actually a, a brain chemistry change, okay? They can put probes on your brain. They can look at how these different uh, chemicals are, are being released in your body. And so emotions are very natural, right? Emotions are often natural, but feelings can be either spiritual or natural. Feelings, that internal experience, that can be spiritual or it can be natural. Now, natural means that it comes from a human source. Spiritual. Some people say, oh, you know, I'm not religious. I'm just spiritual. You do realize that the devil is a spiritual being, right? Keep talking about how spiritual you are. The question is, which spirit is influencing you, right? So emotions are often natural. Feelings can be spiritual or natural depending on the cause. If the cause is spiritual, then it can be from God or it can be demonic, right? For example, you might be inspired to desire more of God's presence. I think that many of us were experiencing that this morning as the, the music was going on. You are inspired by the music and you desire to be in God's presence and you have these very, very powerful feelings. They're not bad. They're good, right? People that don't have feelings have some serious problems. You need to have feelings. You need to have emotions. They're not bad. The question is, where are they coming from? And the question is, are you using the mind that God gave you to put those feelings before the Lord and really make sure that they're lining up with what God says and what God wills and what he wants you to do, all right? So lastly, uh, when we're talking about feelings versus emotions, um, for the last three weeks on Wednesday, I've been talking about spiritual gifts. One of the spiritual gifts is called a manifestation of the spirit. It's called the distinguishing of spirits, or you might've heard the older term discerning of spirits. And so letter D in your outline is the Holy Spirit gives the gift of distinguishing or discerning of spirits so that God's children can know the difference between whether it is good or evil inspiration. Uh, listen, you can walk into a room where a bunch of people are very, very emotional. And that can be just very human, just very earthy, right? Just very natural. 
And you get caught up in the emotion too of the room. They're all crying, so you want to cry. They're all mad, so you want to get mad, right? They're all happy and jumping around, so you want to get happy and jump. Because we have a natural ability inside of ourselves. From the time we're babies, by the way, we have a natural ability to be empathetic. Use that word, please. Say empathetic. That means you can feel for someone else. Now, parents, you know this is true, okay? What happens when you have a room full of babies and one baby begins to cry? They all start crying. Why? Nothing happened to them? Are they just irritated by the noise? Okay. I don't know what that was. Demon motorcycle or something. No, it's a natural empathy. So you can walk into a room and it can be church. It can be a political rally. It can be anything like that. I mean, how did the Nazis get so many people to believe such evil? I mean, Hitler to the, to the, the Nazis, to the Germans during that period of time was a mesmerizing speaker. So when somebody tells me that there, you know, there's so many people following this, uh, you know, this influencer or, you know, what it doesn't mean anything because people can be inspired or influenced by good or evil, by human or divine, right? By God or by the devil. They can be influenced by any of that. So don't think that just because you're having strong emotions, that's automatically God or it's automatically right. That is patently wrong, right? We're going to have very strong feelings. We're going to empathize with other people. Further, you can have a very, very strong feeling that has the devil as a cause. I, I'm, I'm going to endeavor not to alienate people specifically, um, but there is a particular false religious group that has quite a few followers. And when their missionaries come and visit you, at least it used to be common for them to leave their book. They have their own book behind. And to say, we want you to read this. And we don't want you to follow our religion or come to our church unless you have a what the old followers of this religion called a burning in your breast. Right? That you just, oh, my heart just really is on fire. I can really feel, I am guaranteeing you because I don't want to go down this little, uh, this little road and talk about this religion because it will take the rest of my time. But I am guaranteeing you this is a false religion. And I am guaranteeing you that that burning in your breast is coming from the devil. You need to stop trusting your feelings. You need to trust Jesus, amen? You need to align your thinking with the Lord, and your feelings will follow, okay? So on handling emotions, there's, there's five here. Don't trust your emotions, trust God. Why don't you say that? Number two, if you let emotions run your life, they'll ruin your life. You don't have to say that. We've already said it several times. But really, that's the theme of the whole first part of this message. Number three, feelings are not unimportant, nor are they all important. You need to have feelings to be human. They're not unimportant. There was a uh, school of philosophy back in Jesus' day and before, and they believed that what you had to do to have peace in this life was to keep your emotions down. 
Not let your emotions show at all. They're called the Stoics. Say Stoic. All right? Stoicism was a very, very strong, uh, really not just a philosophy. It was kind of a, a way of life. There's a famous Roman emperor who was a Stoic philosopher. His name was Marcus Aurelius. If you ever saw uh, the old gladiator movie back in the early 2000s, Marcus Aurelius was the old uh, emperor that died before Commodus took the throne. And in, the, in reality, Marcus Aurelius was a philosopher. He was a writer. He was a Stoic, right? So the British have a saying, stiff up a lip. Have you ever heard it? Have a stiff up a lip, right? What it means is keep those emotions in check. Well, that's one way to go through life. But, you know, it kind of makes you sort of a zombie, really. We need feelings. We need emotions. They're not unimportant, and they're not all important, Okay. Now we get to the order. Number four. In the right order, feelings can be healthy. Here's, what, here's the order, okay? I'll go from your right to your, your left to your right, excuse me, my right to my left. We start with the facts or the truth. Say facts. And then we put our faith in those facts or in that truth. Say faith. And then we feel some way about that. It goes fact, faith, feeling. You know what the problem is? People go feeling, faith, my truth. You got how we're so messed up right now? It's all messed up. Teenagers, I taught teenagers for a lot of years. And that was one message that I wanted to get through to teenagers again and again. But I'm telling you, it's not just teenagers, it's kids, it's adults. We have been taught to follow our feelings. But hopefully, in this first two-thirds of the message now, you have come to the understanding that we don't trust our feelings, we trust God. Amen? Okay. Um, Only a fool follows their feelings rather than seeking God's will through his word why do I have a big black Bible up here? Because like you, I have a mobile device, I have a phone, I have all of that, and I can get the Word of God in the Version app, and I think that, but I want this as an important symbol for you to see. This is what needs to renew your mind, right? Not all these feelings and all these influencers and all of these false ideas that are out there. No, this is the Word of God. It has stood the test of time. This is God's inerrant, inspired Word, and it ain't going anywhere. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, and so will your feelings. But my Word will never pass away. You need to base your life on God's Word, not your feelings. Amen? Okay? So now, I'm going to take a completely different direction for the end of this message. I'm going to show you that spiritual sensitivity is often understood by us as a feeling. It's not an emotion. Really, it's more knowing than it is feeling. But I think that most people understand spiritual sensitivity as a being led by some sort of a set of feelings, right? So I'm going to look at this, and this will be some. I didn't create an outline for this, um, but this is where we're going to get into the Word, okay? Genesis 2-7 helps us to understand the nature of human beings and how we were created. It said, and God created man, made man from the dust of the earth, that's his body, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. 
That word in Hebrew, just like in Greek, the word for breath can also mean wind, and it can also mean spirit. You're made in God's image. Young, old, you're made in God's image. The difference between you and the animals is that you have a spirit. The difference between you and the animals is not about the soul, it's about your spirit. God uniquely created human beings by breathing upon them, breathing into them. That means he inspirited us, and that's what causes us to come to life, right? So, back to Genesis 2-7. God created man from the dust of the earth. He breathed into his nostrils of the breath of life, the breath of life, and man became, human, the, the human man became a living being or a living soul. So here it is. God created man from the dust of the earth. That's your body. Say, I have a body. God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, so man has a spirit. Say, I have a spirit. And man became a living being, or became a soul. Say, I am a soul. You have a body. You have a spirit. They're inextricably tied together. If the body dies, the spirit goes back and the Lord determines where you go on the basis of what you do with Jesus, whether you go to heaven or hell. And there's a waiting point where you await uh, the, the time when you will be re-embodied, where you'll be resurrected, and you'll be resurrected unto judgment and hell, or you'll be resurrected unto life and heaven with God in his presence, right? When the body dies, the spirit leaves the body, right? There is no independent experience apart from this body. If your body is alive, it is because your spirit is still with the body. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't times when people experience so-called disembodied uh, experiences and so forth, and I'm not going to get into all of that. The point is, it is this inextricable connection between spirit and body that makes you, you. It makes you a soul. It makes you, see, we've got a modern word for that. It's the word self, myself. That's my soul, myself. You're a self. That self is a combination, a completely inextricable connection of spirit and body. So you understand that. Number two, your spirit must be regenerated. That means reborn and awakened in order to sense God. You see, here's the problem. God gave man a spirit and man promptly sinned against God. And God said, in the day that you sin, you will surely die. Well, Adam was separated from God. Eve was separated from God. They were separated from the garden. They didn't immediately drop dead, right? But they lost their connection to the source of life. And now we're born with what we call original sin. We're born with this disconnected experience with God. And we're, we're like born spiritually numb, spiritually blind and deaf. And we have to undergo a rebirth in order to be able to perceive God. People don't naturally, in their natural selves, perceive God. If, you're, if you would say, well, I never feel God, I don't know anything about it. Maybe it's possible you need to be reborn. It's also possible you're looking for a certain set of feelings that are not God, and you just need to recalibrate and be more sensitive. But it may well be, if you never sense God's presence, that you have not been reborn because you sense God's presence through your spirit, right? Um, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, unless you're born again, you can never see the kingdom of heaven or never perceive the kingdom of heaven. He said, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
You have to be reborn. That's essential. And we become new people in Christ when we call on the name of Jesus and we ask him to come into our heart. What he does is he sends his spirit and his spirit gives us a new birth and that gives you a new sensitivity. Now what I need to do is I need to train that new sensitivity. I need to stop chasing my feelings and I need to start trying to pay attention to the Holy Spirit who is living in me, who wants to speak to my spirit. Friends, if you want the life that God offers, this is it. This is the promise of Abraham, is a relationship with God, an ongoing daily, moment by moment, real relationship with the real living God. Not some religion where I hope I'm stacking up enough good works so that I can get into God's good graces and get to heaven. No, I know God here and now. And you can too, if you call on the name of Jesus, if you believe that he died for your sins, that he rose from the grave, that he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and that he's returning, just like he said. But he will return in you when you call on his name, okay? So God speaks from his spirit to your spirit. I'm going to read an extended passage, and it'll appear up here. Um, those of you that are in the room, or you'll see it across the bottom of the screen, those of you that are watching. This is 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 16. For who among people knows the thoughts of a person except the spirit of the person that is in him. By the way, I'm reading from, uh, this is the New American Standard Bible 2020 version, and I think I put ESV on the screen. So uh, you may see a little different translation here, but that's okay. So also the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Listen to that again. So also the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world. There's the demonic right there. But the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. That's dumb. What are you talking about? That's just a bunch of religion. Their foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned, spiritually understood spiritually perceived. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things. See, what I think is we need to tune ourselves into the reality that spiritual sensitivity is not a feeling, but I think that the way to help you understand it is to say this is a kind of feeling that comes from the spirit, right? This discernment. But the one who is spiritual discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no one. For no one has known Excuse me, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You have access to the mind of Christ because his spirit lives in you. But he communicates not with audible words, right? We may look for signs, but he doesn't typically do that either. In fact, that's really uh, a, a lower level of spiritual training. When you need God to write something in the sky for you, when you need him to do some sort of a trick or a miracle for you. That's a very infantile type of faith. It's very, very immature. Somebody who is spiritually mature receives a word from God constantly in his or her spirit. You should be directed by the Holy Spirit throughout the day. 
Now, I said this throughout the pandemic, the way to avoid getting sick and the way to avoid dying and all of these sorts of things is to be spiritually sensitive. Now, that doesn't mean if you got sick, you weren't spiritually sensitive because sometimes God just wants you to go through some stuff. And I'd say amen, but I don't amen those things. I'm like, no, I would rather not. In fact, we're taught to pray against that. Lead us not into temptation. Every day, pray, lead me not into temptation. I don't want to go through that trial again. I don't want to deal with that, you know, again. But nonetheless, sometimes that is his will. But what I'm saying is, you and I need to learn to be spiritually sensitive, and that is going to keep us in the center of God's will and help us to understand what he wants for us in our moment-by-moment daily life, okay? Okay. you will sense this spiritual communication from God's Spirit through faith. Faith is really the sixth sense. That's the real sixth sense. When I was younger, I remember my mom uh, used to be interested in what in the 70s used to be called ESP. Anybody ever hear of ESP? Oh, yeah, I'm old. Um, (laughs) So ESP was, oh, no, I've got ESP. And you're sitting here, the majority of you have no idea what that is. You're sitting here staring at me like I'm a ward on a witch's nose. Um, ESP means extrasensory perception. I have extrasensory perception. But see, if you have faith and you trust the Lord, well, first of all, I have faith in God's word. I trust that this is true. But see, I need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit who inspired this word will give me understanding. But the the organ of perception for that, okay, the sixth sense for that is faith. Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Have you ever heard somebody talk about being convicted by the Holy Spirit? So we might construe that. We might think of that as a feeling, this feeling of conviction. It's really more than that, okay? It's more like a deep-seated knowledge, a confidence. It is the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit, affirming the word of God in you. My friend, I have never said anything more important to you than I'm saying to you right now. Because we are blown about by every wind of doctrine and every foolish political ideology. I saw the whole country blow up and people turn into maniacs a couple summers ago because of what some evil cop did up in Minnesota. Why are we all just driven around by so much rage and we've got to do this? And it didn't accomplish anything really except cause just a bunch of drama and a bunch of damage, property damage, and you know, often to you know, people who would have abhorred what that police officer did. But people who are driven in rage to do things do all kinds of crazy stuff. And we've already been through all this. The politics and all the division and hatred there, the, the pandemic and all the fear, and then the protests and all of the anger and the contempt and the finger pointing and the self-righteousness really there and bigotry on both sides, all right? So I want you to understand that faith, I, I think, could be construed as this feeling, if you will, from God, this assurance, hey, it's all going to be okay. People ask me to pray for them all the time. And I say, not only will I pray for you, I'm going to believe for you. I'm going to enter in and I'm not just going to say, oh God, please help this person, this poor person. And I do feel that. But that doesn't do anything. That's just emotion. 
this poor person, they're hurting. And they may feel good that I'm hurting with them, but that's very natural, and that doesn't help them. Thoughts and prayers. Honestly, the fact that you're thinking about somebody can make them feel good, but it does not change a single thing in their lives. Further, prayer by itself doesn't change things. Prayer hooks you up to the living God, and He changes things. Amen? You need an almighty God who spoke the universe into existence, who can speak healing into your body, who can give you wisdom, who can transform your entire life. That's what you need. We need to stop being so human and so foolish and so silly and so religious, so political. We need to start being real Christians. Amen? People who follow the living God, who are moved inside by the Spirit of God, by faith. That sixth sense that says, I am assured that this word of God is true. I am assured that God is on my side. He loves me. I trust him. I am convicted that I need to make these changes in my life, and therefore I need to make them. I'm convinced. I have confidence. Stop listening to all of the other voices and start listening as the Holy Spirit moves inside of you. Amen? Now, you may decode that internal movement of the spirit as a voice, but the voice comes from your, not from your spirit, it comes from your mind. Your spirit is going to move in accordance with how the Holy Spirit speaks. But then when you're trying to decode that and understand what that means, then that may turn into words. Okay? But that's not the same as God speaking to you in an audible voice. And I'm not saying that God couldn't do that, but I'm saying that that is not typical. So it is an essential part of your spiritual training to discern the movement of the Holy Spirit upon your spirit regularly. Did you hear me? You need to be trained. I need to be trained spiritually to discern the movement of the Holy Spirit. The problem is we're just spiritually insensitive. See, the more the Spirit tries to speak and you don't listen, you may have been reborn but you can make your heart numb. So in class last, in our karate class last week, I had all the kids come up and stand across the stage. And um, because Pastor Craig uh, is Senpai Wilson in our karate club, and he does the, uh, the uh, calisthenics and the warm-ups at the beginning, and we do push-ups on our knuckles, right? And it's like, you know, the, the carpet pushes into your knuckles, and it's like, oh man, it, it hurts, and it makes you sore. But the purpose behind doing those push-ups is the same as in karate training. It's called makawara work, and you strike, and you turn, and you strike, and you turn, and you strike, and you turn. And the idea is to make your knuckles insensitive so you can turn your hands into weapons. Your heart's not a weapon, and it doesn't need to be insensitive. You need to stop letting the Holy Spirit just hit your heart, and you do nothing about it. You need to let the Holy Spirit penetrate your heart. Amen? You need to do what he says. It's imperative. See, we've hardened our hearts. We've coated it over with calluses from unbelief. And we get that unbelief because we're listening to the wrong voices in the world. So you're facing decisions in your life. They may be big decisions. They may be small decisions. I don't believe that there's a small decision to the Lord. Amen? Amen. You never know what the decision that you're moved to make will, will mean. And I just, this just came to mind. Okay, um, I was in the gym last week, 
And I just had this sense, uh, sense, get it, feeling, whatever you want to call it, okay, that I shouldn't wear my headphones. I always wear my headphones because there's just so much stuff going on and, uh, you know, whatever. So I wear my headphones. I just got this sense that I shouldn't wear my headphones. And the music that was playing wasn't terrible, so I was like, okay. It's one less thing I got to worry about, fine. I leave them in my locker. I go out there. Wearing my Baylor shirt. I always wear my Baylor shirts uh, to the gym, oftentimes, often. And uh, I was wearing one that uh, actually a former member of our church, Annalyn, gave me. It's got my name on the back of it, and it says 01, right? And a bunch of us got those. And it says Baylor football. And so I can, you know, I have a hearing problem anyway. But I'm working out on one machine, and it's facing another machine that's over here, and this young guy's on the other machine. And uh, he starts saying something to me. And so I did, you know, what? And he said, he said, are you into, into Baylor football? I said, oh, I said, yeah, I went there. And we started this conversation. And he introduced himself to me and he talked to me. And he apparently is doing the roof for uh, whoever Baylor's current or either current or former quarterback is. And so, we, you know, we struck up this conversation. Guess what? That wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't wear my headphones. There are no small decisions with God. Do you understand that? We're missing out on a whole lot of life because we're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit who's moving on our spirit and trying to get us to do even little things. It's important that you pay attention. Now, when you're making a big decision, okay, relationship decision, financial decision, spiritual decision, if you don't have clear revelation from the Lord, from His Word, and as His Spirit moves on your spirit, then you need to wait on the Lord. Amen? You need to wait for the Lord. Listen to this, Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Now, I love this one. This is Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And I wait for his word. Friends, stop making emotional decisions. Isn't that irony? I was so emotional about that. (laughs) We just get this feeling, okay? I could have run my life into a ditch so many times over the years by making emotional decisions. Now, I'm talking to a room full of people and people online. You've been through things and you realize there have been some decisions that you've made that were not wise decisions. I want you to track back and take a look at why you made the decision you made. Well, you felt a certain way, right? Some people, uh, we did a whole series on love for six weeks. So you understand love is not an emotion. Amen? But some people, in fact, dictionary definition is love's an emotion. And I fall in love with somebody and I have this feeling for them. And then things happen and years go by and then I fall out of love. for them. That's not love. That's desire. That's attachment. That may be a a type of love. There may be some affection there, but we get ourselves in trouble. So you wait upon the Lord. Then you receive his direction in your spirit and you move when he urges you and you stop immediately when he checks. You move as soon as God says move. See, this is what we don't like. I want to make the decision, but I said Jesus is Lord. But when the Lord says move, you move. Amen? 
And when the Lord checks, when you're ready to just go out there and bolt out the door, you know, buy that new car, sign that paperwork for that mortgage, jump into that marriage relationship or whatever, and you get a check. That's what we call it, a check in your spirit. It's like a, uh, hmm, okay, wait a minute. I don't know. Oh, good. Because faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And you don't know. That means you doubt. That means you don't do it. Amen? Because whatever is not of faith is sin. People get themselves in trouble all the time. Or people just flat out miss out on God's blessings all the time because they make emotional decisions. By nature, emotional decisions are foolish. Emotions in your physical body don't even go through your brain. Did you know that? They get right up to about here, the back of your head, medulla oblongata, and then they cycle back down and send you on your way. They, you don't even go through prefrontal cortex right here. This is where you think. Your emotions don't go through there at all. You need to make this get to here. And then slow it down. That's why you need to wait on the Lord. So I like to think of it like this. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. And your spirit is like the sail and that sail is on the ship of your body life. And the Holy Spirit blows and fills that sail, and then you move your life. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, the, the, you know, you see the wind, uh, the, the wind blows, and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. You see its effects. You see the trees move, all that. Okay? But Jesus said, the wind blows. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. He said, so it is the person that is directed by the Spirit. Amen? That's you, if you will pay attention to the Holy Spirit and let him move you. So faith is more than a feeling. It is the commitment to trust God and take him at his word. But I think that this assurance and this expression of of knowledge within, sometimes we would construe as a feeling. So hopefully that has helped you. Start by putting your faith in Jesus. Now we're going to sing a couple more songs here, um, and you'll have an opportunity to kind of uh, tie your sail down and get ready for the Holy Spirit to fill it. And ask him, ask him to lead you. Ask him to help you understand what you're supposed to do in your life. Little decisions, big decisions. And let him speak to you. And then he'll want to speak through you.